Free Talk Live. You can join us here toll-free. Our number, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've got Skype. You may Skype into the show at Skype username LRN.FM. With you here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Melody. And Mark. Of course, you can join us online anytime you want, so head on over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features you'll find there on the website completely free uh, like archives that go back for a decade. So, as always, there's stuff in the news to talk about. Coming up, Adamo Freeman, uh, who just got out of jail on $5,000 bail, which was reduced down from $75,000 bail for the alleged crime of, or as we would say here, victimless crime, of possessing 26 pounds of marijuana, ostensibly to sell it. Uh, he's been charged with trafficking and possession felony counts. They dropped one of the charges Anyway, he uh, was sitting in jail for six weeks. Uh, he's still awaiting trial on these charges. He's finally been indicted, but the other judge, so we saw a different judge, and that judge reduced the bail. So now he's out, uh, and that's good. But while he was in, he was doing some writing from inside of jail and doing some reading, of course, because you get a lot of time for that kind of thing in jail. And one of the books he read was a Gandhi book uh, with some Gandhi quotes in it, and it's kind of changed Demo's perspective on things. And I want to share his piece. Uh, we're going to get to that coming up. But first, Glenn Greenwald over at The Intercept writing about Donald Trump and his war on terror. Remember when Donald Trump was you know, either running or just elected, he had said that he doesn't support nation building. He wanted to reduce the U.S. government's involvement in world conflicts. Uh, he talked about a new era of peace. But at the same time, he, he also, also said, I would bomb the F out of him. He also said Referring he was going to go ISIS. after ISIS. Yeah. yeah. So that he didn't want to do nation building and wanted no, more peace. No, he wanted to do nation destroying, but not in the way I would do it. But uh, but he did say he was going to go after ISIS. And uh, so that, to me, meant that there wasn't going to be any peace. Well, and see, that would be good because then the CIA would probably have a lower budget. What do you mean? Well, you would just have to defund ISIS to get Oh, I see. Right. Because the ISIS... You're saying that the CIA is involved in uh, backing ISIS. I would that I, from what I can tell, and if anybody knows more about this than me, that's fine. But from what I can tell, ISIS is a subsidiary of the CIA. There's a strong argument for that, I would say, given that the CIA has certainly been involved in supporting other radical groups in the middle east in the past there's also been some sort of strange evidence that's uh, been put out there i'm not ready to make this uh, the same uh you know draw the same conclusion but there have been some strange pictures out there where like for instance uh what are supposedly ostensibly members of isis in a uh, praying oh yeah one would presume towards mecca and they were doing it at a right angle and that was the strangest thing. They were because, doing it in different directions. In yeah. one picture I saw where there was you know, multiple alleged ISIS participants facing in different directions. Right. They're all right supposed angle. to face yeah. Mecca, and right. they weren't. Well, yeah, unless they were at some kind of weird angle towards Mecca. I'm not entirely sure. They could be at the corner of the, the no, but, mosque. But in the, the same picture, they I were know, facing different I know. Directions. It's really weird. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And what would be clearly not devout Muslims. Right. Um, I mean, this is one of the basics yeah. that you face Mecca when you pray multiple yeah. times a day. When you could get that picture from anywhere, but yeah. it was really strange to see it. God wanted uh, Muhammad to do 50 prayers per day, and he negotiated with God down to five. 
So oh, I thought it was. I've always heard three. I believe it was five. I could be wrong about that, but you know, I did read the Quran and uh, did some studying while I was. Well, maybe the in Quran jail. says five, and then all the Muslims say three. I mean, people do the same thing with the Bible. Could very well be. Uh, so anyway, uh, from the start of his presidency, according to Glenn Greenwald at theintercept.com, Donald Trump's war on terror has entailed the seemingly indiscriminate slaughter of innocent people. In the name of killing terrorists. In other words, Trump has escalated the 16-year-old core premise of America's foreign policy that it has the right to bomb any country in the world where people it regards as terrorists are found, and in doing so has fulfilled the warped campaign pledges that he repeatedly expressed. The most recent atrocity was the killing of as many as 200 Iraqi civilians from U.S. airstrikes this week in Mosul. That was preceded a few days earlier by the killing of dozens of Syrian civilians in Raqqa province when the U.S. targeted a school where people had taken refuge, which itself was preceded a week earlier by the uh, U.S. destruction of a mosque near Aleppo that also killed dozens. I saw this uh, Trump's killing his bombings represented in a a meme, and I don't know if it was accurate, but it, it, it had pictures of Bush, Clinton and Trump. And the picture of Bush said, I you know, drone bombed people in the middle in the Middle East once every fifty something days. Mm-hmm. Obama was I drone bombed once every five point something days, and now apparently Trump's doing it like less than once every two days. So, the- well, then I would expect the price and therefore availability of drones and bombs to to go down, go down, and but why? But the government's basically the exclusive buyer of it. That doesn't necessarily. I'm not saying that they have a free market or even anything that actually is a market for those types of things. Yeah. They are kind of detached enough to where the people making them and selling them to the feds can develop, especially with new things like drones, can develop better and better technology that makes it cheaper. That's true. Manufacturing could be uh, more affordable. Uh, maybe the government, since they're bombing more, is buying in bulk, and so they're getting a, bu- a bulk discount or something like that. Uh, but anyway, back to the story here. So lots of bombings. Lots of civilians perishing in these bombings. And one of Trump's first military actions was what can only be described as a massacre carried out by Navy SEALs in which 30 Yemenis were killed. Among children killed was an 8-year-old American girl whose 16-year-old American brother was also killed by a drone under Obama. In some, although precise numbers are difficult to obtain, there seems little question that the number of civilians being killed by the U.S. in Iraq and Syria, already quite high under Obama has increased precipitously during the first two months of the Trump administration. Data compiled by the site Air Wars tells the story, and that is uh, airwars.org. Another misuse of the uh, term precipitous. An increased precipitous precipitation falls, right? So it would be uh-huh. decreased precipitously. But it that would be inaccurate, so increased, I don't know, vastly? Some other number, but the, precipita- <laughs> precipitation and, and increases really don't have anything to do with each other. The, you'll have to apply to be Glenn's editor, yeah. Mark. Uh, this number of civilians killed in Syria and Iraq began increasing in October under Obama, but has now skyrocketed in March under Trump. And he links to a chart from airwars.org slash data, which shows the last basically two and a half years worth of uh, coalition airstrikes in Iraq and Syria and shows that in March of this year, it's really jumped up. So January and February were, you know, January was up a little bit from December, February down slightly from January. So Obama, Trump, for the last several months were kind of similar. But then this month alone, which we're not even done with March yet at this point, 
Uh, looks like the number of deaths has more than doubled uh, from last month. So lots of killings uh, going on out there in the name of the so-called war on terror. The number of civilians killed has skyrocketed. What's particularly notable is that the number of airstrikes actually decreased in March with one week left, even as civilian deaths rose, strongly suggesting that the U.S. military has become even more reckless. That's what it sounds like. I would expect that because early on when drones are new, you have all the people who enrolled into the military and into that program who might not be really into killing civilians and then once drones are a few years old, you kind of weed those people out and get some better sociopaths. You get the hardcore killers. And then, the, the, I mean, because missing on purpose is a thing. It's more of a thing when you have draftees, which I understand we don't have too many of anymore, mm-hmm. or for the time being anymore. But, yeah, once you kind of make sure all you have left is sociopaths, then, or at least in that department, then it's your... Hit You're much more efficient with yeah. uh, killing innocent people in that way. Well, all I can say is is that it's pretty clear that the numbers have uh, risen dramatically. It's horrifying, and there's more to talk about here, so we're, we're going to share that with you. Coming up, you can also share your thoughts with us. Our toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. Uh, innocent people dying in bombing raids by the U.S. military and their coalition. Uh, 855-450-FREE. You can join us here. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Dial on in toll-free and join us right here. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And you can Skype into the show as well. Skype username LRN.FM. If you want to try out the best pillow you'll probably ever use, you should try out MyPillow. You go to MyPillow.com, use code FTL, you get yours at half off or two for the price of one. Uh, It is designed to fit to the shape of your body and hold your neck in the proper position. It's also washable, so you can put it in your washer and dryer. It's designed for that. Uh, it's a great product. I've been using it since early 2016, so just about a year, I think, at this point. And it's been great. Uh, it really has. Now, if if for whatever reason you get my pillow and you don't agree, that's okay. They've got a 60-day money-back guarantee. So all you're really risking there is the price of shipping because you'd have to pay to, to send it back to them. But they will uh, give you your purchase price back if you don't like it. Uh, but Obviously, they think that you're going to. That's why they're offering the money-back guarantee. That's why they're also putting a 10-year warranty behind the product, because they really do stand behind MyPillow. You go to MyPillow.com and use code FTL. That's code FTL, like Free Talk Live, as we continue here talking about Trump and the uh, terrible airstrikes that have been going on over in Iraq and Syria, where fewer strikes happened in the month of March than, thus far than happened in the month of February, but the number of people who perished in those strikes, many of them innocent people, has more than doubled. So there's a serious amount of uh, you know murder going on here, and of course they get to get away with it because, well, they're the government, and when they commit murder, then it's called a, a war or a police action or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever euphemism they want to use. The story here is from theintercept.com. Glenn Greenwald reporting on the numbers 
And he's using a, a website called Air Wars. That's where they, he's getting some of these statistics from, airwars.org, I believe it is. As uh, we continue a little bit more about this, he says that uh, the escalation of bombing and civilian deaths combined with the deployment by Trump of 500 ground troops into Syria beyond the troops that Obama had already deployed there has received remarkably little media attention. And we really haven't covered it. I mean, there's been some mention on this show that he's been escalating things over there, but this is really the first time we've, I think we've dug into it. Yeah, it, it's the first time, yes, it's the first time. I've been seeing memes on Facebook is basically right. the only uh, connection I've had with it. And I think a lot of people are just paying more attention to what's going on with uh, uh, the ACA or Obamacare than they are with uh, what's going on um, you know, outside of the country. I didn't expect Trump to be like this, but I guess I'm not surprised. This is in part due to the standard indifference in U.S. discourse to killing or the U.S. killing of civilians compared to the language used when its enemies kill people. Compare the very muted and euphemistic tones used to report on Trump's escalations in Iraq and Syria to the frequent invocation of genocide and war crimes to denounce Russian killing of Syrian civilians. And he links to uh, different news pieces that he's referring to there. Uh, and part of this lack of media attention is due to the Democrats' ongoing hunt for Russian infiltrators of Washington, which leaves little room for other matters. Mm. But what is becoming clear is that Trump is attempting to liberate the U.S. military from the minimal constraints that it observed in order to avoid massive civilian casualties. And this should surprise nobody. Trump explicitly and repeatedly vowed to do exactly this during his campaign. He constantly criticized Obama, who bombed seven predominantly Muslim countries for being weak in battling ISIS and al-Qaeda. Trump regularly boasted that he would free the U.S. military from rules of engagement that he regarded as unduly hobbling them. He vowed to bring back torture and even to murder the family members of suspected terrorists, prompting patriotic commentators to naively insist that the U.S. military would refuse to follow his orders. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? If the U.S. military actually, you know, individually made their own decisions about whether they're going to go along with this crap or not. But well, no, they're going to do what they, they're told. Yeah, basically, you, they go to the brig. Yeah. And that's worth pointing out. It's probably 0.01% of 1% of U.S. military members who have actually refused to obey orders they found illegal. A lot of them would probably get reassigned, I think, is what they would choose to do and do something that's sort of far less distasteful. So, uh, you know, and I'll get back to Glenn Greenwald here in a moment with more of this, but it's worth pointing out here that as Trump is going to continue this escalation or if this escalation continues and more innocent people end up getting slaughtered in the Middle East, it's really only a matter of time before you see more terror strikes here in the United States. Now, you know, they can crank up their border patrol if they want to, but it's ultimately not going to uh, to put a stop to it. If they're killing innocent people, they are manufacturing new terrorists. That's a fact. It's called blowback. Ron Paul talked about it. Uh, you know, this is not something that you have to put a whole lot of thought into to figure out how this works. You know, because if somebody were to just try to put yourself in the shoes of any family members that might have survived these bombing raids, if you, uh, you know, you're at work or something like that, and your family ends up getting, you know, extinguished. And you come home from work, you find a bombed out husk of a house and the corpses of your family members at How that point. How many Hollywood movies are like this? 
How many Hollywood movies have the protagonist who finds their wife and child killed, kidnapped, whatever it is that uh, occurs to them, yeah. and they go on some kind of spree, and they kill all the bad guys? A bunch of them. And, uh, right. I mean, Americans who refuse to believe that blowback's a thing are uh, and they're just lie i mean uh, it's how amazing it? how yeah. well they can lie to themselves i mean they'll you'll go and you'll slap your money down for uh these tickets or at least you'll watch them at home sitting on your uh butt in front of your tv but you can't believe that them uh, them them brown folks in the middle east they ain't like us well, they ain't gonna fight for their family i don't think that's <laughs> a particularly good argument because i don't believe that a lot of things are real that i might go see a movie about if it's entertaining i don't go see movies for psychological information but necessarily. But it's about s- suspension of belief. So if, um, if for instance, in a movie, um, you had the protagonist, um, you know, see their family get bombed, and he said, huh, and wandered off. Like, you would have a difficult time believing that, especially if they sort of built up that the guy liked, loved his family or yeah, sure. you know, the woman or whatever, and then they just wander off and do nothing. So movies, uh, they, they have to define their own scenario and then work within the scenario. But you're going to have a very difficult time defining a scenario where people are going to be able to suspend belief surrounding uh, you know, somebody loving their family and fighting for them. I mean, that's a pretty basic storyline. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that it's pretty obvious that people will do that, especially if, you know, if that happens in this, it's it's if it's kind of an isolated incident in the States or even most of the West, you might still have something to lose. A lot of these people don't. So you come home from work and everybody you love is dead. And if there's no work to go back to a lot of the time, I mean, like, you know, what do you have to lose? Like, of course, you're going to go to the States and kill as many people as you can on your way out. Well, even if there is work to go back to, you might just go ahead and quit your job and or work just long enough to save up enough money to go in on some sort of suicide run. I mean, because if you have nothing else to live for, then every single thing that you do from that point forward can be focused on revenge. Right. Toll free number here, 855-450-FREE. So more about this here. Again, Trump promising in his campaign to escalate. And that's what he's doing. And there are going to be consequences for this. You know, I, I wish, you know. Wish that there weren't going to be, but uh, of course, I wish he wasn't doing this in the first place. But that's what's likely going to happen. And hopefully you won't get caught up in it. 855-450 free. But we all could. Bitcoin.com is of the opinion that the current Bitcoin core development team is not taking satisfactory steps to ensure the growth and advancement of Bitcoin in accordance with Satoshi's vision. As community efforts to resolve these problems have failed, it is necessary to resolve them with a different approach. By using subreddit r slash BTC instead of r slash Bitcoin and running Bitcoin Unlimited, you are casting a vote against the current development team. Learn more at Bitcoin.com. That's Bitcoin.com. It's Free Talk Live, and you may join us right here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Airstrikes are up big time. Uh, Well, actually, the actual number of strikes is down somewhat from last month, but the number of civilian casualties, close to tripled. I mean, it's tremendous. We've got the story here from theintercept.com. It's not good news. 
Coming from Glenn Greenwald. With you in the studio tonight, it's me, Ian. Melanie. And Mark. Also, you can join us here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Plus, I do want to let you know how you can get your web hosting done at half off. You join HostGator by going to HostGator.com slash FTL. It's one of the top hosting companies out there. HostGator makes it easy. Maybe you haven't yet started your website. Or maybe you have a website and you want to move it to a new host. Check out HostGator at HostGator.com slash FTL and get 50% off. That's 5050% off of their regular hosting prices. You get a simple, one-click, easy installation for WordPress, 24-7 over the phone or live chat tech support, and a very intuitive and user-friendly control panel that puts the power of creation and the simplicity of use into your hands. They've also got a 99.99% uptime rating, so you don't have to worry about outages with HostGator. That's HostGator.com slash FTL, like Free Talk Live. As we continue here, uh, we'll take your calls and thoughts about, of course, anything you want to discuss so you can take control of the airwaves. But we're talking about what's happening over in Iraq and Syria and how Trump is ramping things up. I mean, Obama had already been ramping things up in the Middle East, but now Trump is trying to outdo him and killing more innocent people as a resort uh, or as a result of that. So uh, back to the story here. Trump's war frenzy reached its rhetorical peak of derangement in December of 2015 when he roared at a campaign rally that he would, quote, bomb the S out of ISIS, except he didn't censor himself, and then let its oil fields be taken by Exxon, whose CEO is now his secretary of state. Wow, I didn't know that. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Uh, Trump can be criticized for many things, but a lack of clarity about his intended war on terror approach is not one of them. All along, Trump's solution, in quotes, to terrorism was as clear as it was simple. As uh, Glenn Greenwald described it in September of 2016, on a tweet he said, this is Greenwald from his own tweet, uh, quote, Trump's anti-terror platform is explicitly, one, more bombing, two, Israel-style police profiling, and three, say, radical Islam. The clarity of Trump's intentions regarding the war on terror was often obfuscated by anti-Trump pundits due to a combination of confusion about and distortions of foreign policy doctrine. Trump explicitly ran as a non-interventionist, denouncing, for instance, U.S. regime change wars in Iraq, Libya, and Syria, even though at some points he expressed support for the first two. Many commentators confused non-interventionism with pacifism, leading many of them to this very day to ignorantly claim that Trump's escalated war on terror bombing is in conflict with his advocacy of non-interventionism. It is not. To the extent that Trump is guided by any sort of coherent ideological framework, he is rooted in the traditions of Charles Lindbergh and the free trade-hating, anti-immigration, uber-nationalist Pat Buchanan. Both Lindbergh and Buchanan were non-interventionists. Lindbergh was one of the earliest and loudest opponents of U.S. involvement in World War II, while Buchanan was scathing throughout all of 2002 about the neocon plan to evade, invade Iraq. Despite being vehement non-interventionists, neither Lindbergh nor Buchanan were pacifists. Quite to the contrary, both believed that when the U.S. was genuinely threatened with attack or attacked, that it should use full and unrestrained force against its enemies. Now, what they opposed was not military force in general, but rather interventions geared toward a goal other than self-defense, such as changing other countries' governments, protecting foreigners from tyranny or violence, or humanitarian wars. 
What the Lindbergh-Buchanan non-interventionism opposes is not war per se, but a specific type of war, namely those fought for reasons other than self-defense or direct U.S. interests, as was true of regime change efforts in Iraq, Libya, and Syria. Lindbergh opposed U.S. involvement in World War II on the ground that it was designed to help only the British and Jews, while Buchanan, on the eve of the Iraq invasion, attacked neocons who, quote, seek to ensnare our country in a series of wars that are not in America's interests, and who, quote, have alienated friends and allies from all over the Islamic and Western world through their arrogance, hubris, and bellicosity. Yeah, but I don't, um, hold on, how is he comparing Trump, a guy who wants war, to these two guys that generally don't want war. I just don't quite quite get where he's coming from on he's this. He's saying Trump is rooted in their traditions. He's rooted in the beliefs of Lindbergh and Buchanan, pointing out that Trump has said he's against interventionism. And these two that he's talking about here, their philosophy is also Isn't dropping bombs from remote control airplanes intervention? Well, again, his excuse is that it's defending the United States from terror. That's the If you've got to fly your remote control airplane halfway around the world to drop your bomb, the chances are good you're not defending anything. Look, I agree Sounds with you. Sounds offensive to me. I, I agree with what you're saying here, Mark. He's just comparing Trump's foreign policy platform to others you know, who have expressed similar beliefs okay that one should not get involved in nation building that one should not get involved in other countries wars but if one is defending oneself which is the excuse here uh then it's a then, you know then go full force is the philosophy so he's just kind of expanding on that the anti-semitism and white nationalism tradition of Lindbergh, the ideological precursor to buchanan and then trump does not oppose war It opposes military interventions in the affairs of other countries for reasons other than self-defense, i.e. the risking of American lives and resources for the benefits of others. Each time Trump drops another bomb, various pundits and other assorted Trump opponents smugly posit that his doing so is inconsistent with his touted non-interventionism. This is just ignorance of what those terms mean. By escalating violence against civilians, Trump is in fact doing exactly what he promised to do and exactly what those who described his foreign policy as non-interventionist predicted that he would do, namely limitlessly unleash the U.S. military when the claimed objective was the destruction of terrorists while refusing to use the military for other ends such as regime change or humanitarianism. If one were to reduce this mentality to a motto, it could be fight fewer wars and for narrower reasons, but be more barbaric and criminal in prosecuting the ones that are fought. I do kind of feel like if you're going to fight a war, that you should fight that war, um, you know, like full force instead of screwing around. I feel like um, in many cases when it came to wars that uh, the United States has fought post-World War II, that it has um, not uh, committed it's military to winning that there was you know, they were attempting strategic things and a variety of stuff and you know at no point have they really fought their own war they've been fighting other people's war so they're trying to stay within constraints of the allies and all that other stuff that's gone on but that's easy to say when the other side or the enemy if you will is easily defined yes when they wa- when they all wore uniforms for the right. most part uh, that was an well, easy right. thing when to do. When you start trying to fight ideologies with bombs, you're you're fighting terrorism. Which I mean, when you're going to overthrow every government on the face of the earth, that would be how you would fight terrorism. Because I mean, governments you can't are really terrorists. Do that right. Yeah. 
So, yeah, when you're fighting abstract concepts, you right. can't really do that very efficiently with bombs and guns. Yeah, you when can't you're fighting blow a up particular gang, whether that be Germany or Syria or whichever gang you're fighting, yeah, you can effectively dis- destroy that gang. But that's not the goal. The goal is to right. drag it out forever. Which is, a, you know, for the government's perspective, a good thing because the war on terror can go on forever, well, as you're saying. Well, the war on terror here. is basically misnamed. So a war, in its most narrow definition, is a conflict of nations, right? I mean, yeah. you can use the term to describe everything. I could have, you know, a war on... Well, there's a war on drugs. Right. Well, I could have a, a, a war on anything, right? A war on, a war on grass. I'm going to mow all the grass. <laughs> but this is not really a war. A war is a conflict of nations. And... We haven't had one of those yeah. in a long time. So what you're doing is you're using a you know a machete to do sc- scalpel work, and the military really isn't an organization that's cut out for what they're using it for. Our toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. You're welcome to join us here. A few more thoughts on Trump, and then we'll talk about something more domestic, the police. And Damo Freeman will be weighing in. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, join us on the radio here. Our toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've got Skype, and the Skype username here is lrn.fm. We're talking about uh, Donald Trump ramping up the war against innocent people. Uh, you know, they're calling it a war on terror, but when you pretty much indiscriminately drop bombs on populated areas with the supposed idea of targeting terrorists, well, you're going to end up getting civilians. And they've been killing a lot of civilians in just the last three or four weeks alone, uh, almost, I think, nearly tripling the number of civilian deaths compared to just last month. And last month in January, we're pretty much sort of on par with uh, December and, and November. So it looked like he was maybe continuing in the tradition of Obama's bombings, but it seems that he is escalating them as well. With you in the studio tonight, by the way, it's Ian. Melanie. And Mark. Uh, so you can join us. 855-450-FREE is our toll-free number. That's 855-450-3733. And uh, if you want to help support Free Talk Live, you like what we're doing on this show, talking about the ideas of liberty and peace on a seven-night-a-week live basis on the radio from coast to coast. Well, if you like that, then please uh, get behind the show as an amplifier. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. It's five bucks a month. That money is money that we invest into this show to help get on more radio stations. We don't buy time. That would be way too expensive. Uh, we, we would probably barely be able to afford one radio station for the amount of money that we get every month from the AMP program. So what we do is we uh, you know, pitch the show. We you know, try to get added based on the merits of Free Talk Live, based on the fact that hopefully we're an entertaining show. And it's worked 100 on 150 plus stations, right? And that, that does help. It helps to have a stable of you know good stations that we can show and say, hey, look, we've been doing this since 2004 in syndication, and here's all of our wonderful radio affiliates. That makes it easier for a, a station that's never heard of us to take us seriously and look at the show. So right now, your $5 a month that you can contribute to the AMP program is actually, in my opinion, more effective than it was, say, 10 years ago. We started the AMP program in 2005, and we didn't have more than probably five radio stations back then. So it was harder to market Free Talk Live. So your $5 a month actually is going further, and it still just costs you 5 bucks a month. 
So go to amp.freetalklive.com, get signed up. You can get the uh, access to the perks like the amp-only call-in lines, the amp-only Facebook group, and more. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com. So we're talking about Donald Trump and the bombing raids in Iraq and Syria. And as Glenn Greenwald is pointing out here, he's doing what he said he was going to do. He said he was going to amp this up. He said he was not going to do nation building, not going to get involved in other countries' conflicts. But he did say he was going to go after ISIS, and that's supposedly what he believes he's doing here. Unfortunately, he's killing innocent people. He does not believe he is. He, he's not the smartest person in the world. But he's not stupid enough to actually believe that. To, to believe that he's only killing ISIS, you mean? Or to believe that that's what his goal is, even. I mean, what do you think the goal is then? What could the well, goal be besides? There's a couple of goals. You want to, you know, kind of inflate the stock of these, I, I don't know, war corporations, whatever you want to call the them. Military the military industrial complex. Yeah. And you could just drop bombs in the desert, though, right? Whoops, missed. Well, that's a lot harder to justify to Congress when you come out and tell them you need another $20 million to yeah, get they're not your gonna friends see them. over. If you dropped every other bomb in the desert, you'd double the, uh, the cost. Right, but you still have to have a war going on to, I mean, Congress need a body might not count, know Mark. how many bombs a war requires, but you have to have at least one going on to say, oh, I'm dropping them over there, even if you're really dropping them in the desert or hiding them in the back room or whatever the case may be. And then scaring people is a really good way to get them to do things. So you... Uh, you, you, Federal Reserve notes aren't really worth anything inherently. So if you want people to give you oil for them, then you have to give them a reason. And usually the reason is because if you don't, I'm going to bomb you a lot. Mm. And then well, just having a war going on. That's not how money works. <laughs> I mean, you know, Federal Reserve, uh, the, the government doesn't have to threaten me to take uh, Federal Reserve notes No, but they have to threaten... Middle Eastern country, you don't. You also don't have oil fields. It's true, it's, but I do have something valuable, which is my labor and my time and my attention. And well, they I'm do willing. threaten people for their their labor. I mean, they, that's what for taxes labor, are, but right? not for Federal Reserve notes. I willingly trade. No, my, you take Federal Reserve notes. Right, I, I willingly take fe- Federal Reserve notes in exchange for something that's valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Right, but my you're time. not an entire country with your own currency. Yeah, but their currencies aren't the world's reserve currency, and people aren't, uh, you know, like if you try to go to Great Britain and sell your, uh, you know, oil, and you want to do it in, in uh, I don't know, dinars, uh, then you know. Great Britain's not going to do that, but other countries will be like, hey, look, you know, we can agree on this currency, which is the dollar. It's the world reserve currency. That's because people can agree that it's valuable. And I would say that, yes, the U.S. military can protect the interests of the country, thus driving up the value of the dollar. But, um, you know, I don't I, I don't think that people are we're not holding them hostage and shoving dollars in their hands and taking their oil. Well, I mean, they are kind of taking their I mean, oil. They have done that. They've taken oil, certainly. Yeah. Um, and apparently, the uh, what is it? The CEO of Exxon or something like that, according to Glenn Greenwald, uh, which you know I haven't paid close attention to who he's been appointing, but apparently somebody from Exxon is now his Secretary of State. So that's a conflict of interest. Anyway, yes. go- going on here, uh, Trump Tillerson. Trump's campaign pledges regarding Syria and now his actions there illustrate this point very clearly. This is, by the way, Glenn Greenwald at TheIntercept.com. Trump never advocated a cessation of military force in Syria. And as the above video demonstrates, he advocated the opposite, an escalation of military force in Syria and Iraq in the name of fighting ISIS and al-Qaeda. 
Indeed, Trump's desire to cooperate with Russia in Syria was based on a desire to maximize the potency of bombing there, just as it was true of Obama's attempt to forge a bombing partnership with Putin in Syria. What Trump opposed was the CIA's years-long policy of spending billions of dollars to arm anti-Assad rebels, which was a policy that Hillary Clinton and her key advisors wanted to escalate, on the ground that the U.S. has no interest in removing Assad. That is the fundamental difference between non-interventionism and pacifism that many pundits are either unaware of or are deliberately conflating in order to prove their own vindication about Trump's foreign policy. Nothing Trump has done thus far is remotely inconsistent with the non-interventionism he embraced during the campaign, unless one confuses non-interventionism with opposition to the use of military force. Trump's reckless killing of civilians in Iraq, Syria, and Yemen is many things, barbaric, amoral, and criminal. It is also... Well, it's not amoral. It's immoral. What's the difference? Well, amoral is without moral. Chocolate ice cream is amoral. It is neither good nor evil. Oh. Okay. Good point. Uh, it is Unless also, the person is allergic to chocolate ice cream, in which case giving it to them is, is immoral. immoral. Right, if but you know chocolate it. ice cream is still amoral. <laughs> <laughs> it is also ironically likely to strengthen support for the very groups, and this is what we touched on earlier, ISIS and Al-Qaeda, that he claims to want to defeat. Given that nothing drives support for those groups, like U.S. slaughter of civilians, perhaps the only competitor in helping these groups is another Trump specialty, driving a wedge between Muslims and the West. But what Trump's actions are not is a departure from what he said he would do, nor are they inconsistent with the predictions of those who described his foreign policy approach as non-interventionist. To the contrary, the dark savagery guiding U.S. military conduct in that region is precisely what Trump expressly promised his supporters that he would okay, see, I in. get what he's saying, yeah. but non-interventionalism isn't probably the best word for that. Bombing someone is definitely an intervention yeah, on what like they were going to do that yeah. day. But I understand the difference between bombing people and going in and trying to, you know, CIA style prop up nation build well yeah i mean he's using non-interventionism in uh, under the idea that to intervene in some other nation's conflict right so it's still intervention in the nation's conflict i mean they're they're you know you're flying your remote control airplanes around syria dropping bombs you're intervening in russia and syria's conflict right yeah, but it's not – well, okay, so are they going after the Syrian military get, or are they going after the so-called terrorists in uh, Syria? What's so it say? The target is you know, so-called terrorists. They're bombing civilians here. They're not fighting with the military. All right, but it's still intervening. So if you were, I don't know, keeping a cop in your bedroom – and, you know, keeping him there and protecting him, and I broke into your house to come kill the cop, mm-hmm. then that's still an intervention in your house. I agree with you, but the excuse is the reason why you broke in to kill the cop was because he came and killed your family earlier. Right, but it's still... So you're just I trying to finish... You're I'm just trying to finish your conflict, right? The, right, but I'm still intervening in your house if I was to do that. I don't understand how you can possibly – this doesn't sound like intervention to you, to intervene. Um, I mean, I mean one of the pretty – one of the is, most dramatic interventions you can possibly make is bombing someone. Right. I got to say that this no, is No, I understand what y'all are this saying, is, and I understand what he's saying. I think not, you guys are just kind of looking at it in uh, you know, right. from a different perspective. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not entangling in domestic policy, which I think is what they mean, but he's definitely intervening. The toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. You can bring up what you want. Coming up here, we're going to talk about the police. 
And you can share your thoughts. It's Free Talk Live. There are lots of ways to listen to Free Talk Live. Our podcast has been around since podcasts began, and now the FTL feed is loaded with content besides our full show archives. Did you know that we make it easy for you to customize your podcast subscriptions? We have different feeds, one that includes only our full shows, one with just the Daily Digest, and one with just the Edgington Post. You decide what you listen to. It's quick and easy to customize your feeds at feeds.freetalklive.com. That's feeds.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live. Dial on in toll-free, and you can join us here and bring up anything that you want. Coming up, the police and how activists approach them, the attitude that we have towards them. Adamo Freeman, the founder of CopBlock, he's had kind of a paradigm shift. And I'm going to share a blog post that he wrote while he was in jail. He was, uh, he's been incarcerated for the last several weeks, uh, six weeks at least since he was arrested for possession and distribution of cannabis in Ohio. Uh, we'll get into that coming up here in a little bit. With you in the studio, it's Ian. Melanie. And Mark. To the phones, to the fun, actually to Skype first, where Hung Like Jesus is on the line in Georgia. Go ahead, Hung. Uh, hello, everybody. Hey. Um, I want to, uh, you know, um, the reason this, this uh, someone sent this to me today, and it's been going on for a while now, and uh, it reminded me of the Free State Project. But there is a um, a group of people that wants to start. I guess they have started. Uh, I guess you can call a, a white ethno state up in. I think it's Washington. Really, I heard Idaho, but um, you know, that's sometimes. I thought ago. it was North Dakota and like some little town with six people living in it. Well, actually, this place is already. I think they've already uh, mapped out the boundaries, and it's called Cascadia. Is what it's called, and um, and the only reason why I'm bringing it up is because it reminded me of the um, of the Free State Project. And also, because I am a firm believer that people should live around exactly who they want to live around and, mm-hmm. you know, don't live around people who they don't want to live around. You know, no, nobody should be forced together. I, I just but, want to go uh, just real quick here. I've heard of Cascadia before, but I've never heard anything about it being uh, some sort of a, a bigot project or. Oh, yeah, definitely. That, that Because Cascadia is, was supposedly the bioregion of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. That's what it's. That's what, I don't There's know, the Northwest more. Territorial Imperative is an idea popularized since the 80s with the white nationalist and white separatist groups in the United States. According to its adherents of these groups are encouraged to relocate to a five state region in northwestern United States, which is uh, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming. What and was Western that group Montana. called? The Northwest Territorial Imperative. OK, that sounds more, you know white nationalisty to me but, yeah, but Cascadia, interesting that they would pick five states instead of one it's yeah. uh, you know like hey let's spread out our uh, influence over uh, five states yeah mm-hmm. i don't i don't see it here i mean again i don't i don't claim to be an expert on cascadia i just know it exists but i mean a quick glance at the wikipedia page doesn't show anything about uh, white nationalism uh, the word white only appears one time i can see why you'd pick it though i mean it's some it's a similar region I mean, I can see why. You... Well, where did you catch wind of this, uh, Hung? Because I'm curious to know more about where well, you a friend of mine from. sent it to me. He knows my interest and, in, in, you know, he sent it to me. Um, and the story comes from um, Red Eyes Creations. You can, uh, no, actually, it's not on Red Eyes Creations. It's on um, 
I don't want to give these. I don't want to give these websites out. Sure. But if sure. you uh, if you Google um, Cascadia now, that should take you to that um, that movement. Okay. Hate. Hate. I see an article here. Hate filled zone: the racist roots of a Northwest secession movement. Okay. So uh, it just it's interesting that it didn't show anywhere on Wikipedia. Normally, when there's some sort of controversy about something, there's usually both sides. Uh, represented there but uh regardless uh so so what about it no you know and i was just you know i just wanted to point out that i am i am uh firmly in favor of people doing whatever it is that they want to do to make their lives happier or whatever it is you know to advance whatever cause they they feel um that they 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 live for well that And, and if they do succeed which i don't think they will then they'll realize really painfully that just because they're white they're not like automatically successful and then they won't have other people to blame it on. They'll have to blame it kind of on... I mean, they won't have to, but it'll be pretty obvious that it's just their own laziness and lack of productivity that makes their lives uh, unpleasant. So and, that would be really funny to me. And that's another thing, too. You know, In society, no matter if it's a microcosm or if it's in society in general, there's going to always be somebody there that you don't like. And, then, you know, and that, of course, that grows. And you know, that's... A, if you separate these people and, and, and get them um, get any kind of influence of any sort of, um, I guess, uh, uh, diversity, they're going to find something within each other to that. You know, it always happens that will tear it apart. Sure. And, and, I mean, of course, I don't want that. I, you know, I want them to be as successful as they possibly can. And I wouldn't want to be around anybody that doesn't want to be around me. And, you know, that was just my um, the point of it. I just uh, I, I'm totally in agreement with it. Same with the um, free state. That people should do exactly, they should be free to do exactly what they want to do with no persecution or oppression from anybody. Yeah, I can't imagine liking my uh, skin tone so much that I'd be willing to move someplace for it. But do you think that it's of any advantage to these people to uh, choose to go to these areas and, you know, uh, it's an advantage to the people they're leaving behind that they go to these areas? I think, you know, it's an ideology, I think, you know, that'll fade pretty quickly. But you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't. I don't wish any ill will on them. And like I said, I, I want them to succeed as, as best they can. People need to uh, be happy in you know however they feel they can. I think that there's been some confusion here. I'm, I'm just looking a little further into these claims that uh, Cascadia is somehow white nationalist uh, separatist movement, and I just don't see it. Uh, there is a thread here on Reddit r slash uh, Cascadia. There's a group all about Cascadia, and they mention here that there are maybe some alt-righter types, some white nationalist types who are trying to infiltrate uh, their group, but they seem to be quite put off by the idea that that would be happening. Yeah, but don't get stuck on the name. I mean, it's still the region that uh, we're referring well, we to. Were ta- he was talking specifically about a secessionist uh, movement. Maybe I got my information um, jumbled, but... Cascadia is the region. I don't know if Cascadia is the whole thing. I don't know if that's all of them. That if Cascadia was uh, was created for uh, to be a white ethno state, but I know that these these people moved up there because you know I, I'm seeing. I don't I don't know how you don't see it, but I'm seeing um, several uh, sites that talk about it. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the that it's in question that uh, that that claim because the, the people I'm seeing on the Cascadia group do not seem to be happy about the idea that anybody who's a white nationalist would be involved well, in mo- most in their group. of the race or at least most of the hardcore racists I've known would not have any kind of motivation or 
work to actually do something like that or to actually do much at all. But yeah, I just don't see most of the most of the racists that I've known putting time and effort into really much of anything, much less moving their entire life to some other place in the country. But regardless, what Hung is uh, saying here is he, he supports, supports people doing, you know, separating off and doing their, doing their thing. And I say, you know, more power to him. I don't want to be a part of it. I'm not interested in, you know, being with those people. I find them to be despicable. Hey, I'm going to, um, that's all I have, but I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a link in the, uh, in the Skype chat. And you can um, you can see exactly what it is that I was talking about. Okay, what yeah, I yeah. I am curious to see uh, what it is that's that's going on because apparently some people in the Cascadia movement aren't even necessarily in favor of secession. Uh, they're just in favor of Cascadia, and I'm not okay. sure you know what that means. Yay, this place. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, right, that's, right. That's all people flags are, man. Yeah. Flags are all about yay, this place. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's send that along. All right, territory in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know how I got confused, but I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you. All right, man. I, mean, I kind of do wish the alt right would go get their own place. I guess that's kind of like telling somebody to move to Somalia, but you know. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, Hung. I appreciate it. All right. All right. The toll free number here eight fifty five four fifty free. That's eight five five four five zero three seven three three. And I just realized I probably should have kept him on the line because. Hung like Jesus does not like Ralph in New Jersey. And Ralph in New Jersey is on hold here. And now he's on. Ralph, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that... Hey, you know, back off your that, phone, that Ralph. You're the, way too loud, man. You're way too loud. Okay. That was the man that I allowed to lick the dance. The, the, the caller, the, the last one that just hung up. That I, he, he, he definitely licked the dust. Okay. He With what? Licked the yeah. dust. Lick the dice. Lick, lick, lick the dust. The dust. You don't have to spell dust. it, man. Or, lick, or lick, L I, L I C K dust. D U S. I still don't understand what you're saying. L I C what? L I C L I C K licking. Key. What is a key? K. You mean K? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe we can get Hung Like Jesus back on the line here. If he wants to talk to him, I know he can't stand him. Well, he just talks, was talking about kind of freedom of association. You can't yeah, now make him talk that's true. to the racist caller. <laughs> All right, more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us. Yeah! Free Talk Live. Dial toll-free. Join us here. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've got Skype, and Skype username is lrn.fm. With you in the studio tonight, by the way, it's me, Ian. Melanie. And Mark. Also, I do want to let you know about Save It Purse. If you want to save big time on your purchases at Amazon... Then just go to saveitpurse.com. You do have to have cryptocurrency, however. That is the one catch. That's the uh, thing you need to have in order to make Save It Purse work for you. If you've got just regular old dollars, then sorry, they can't help you at Save It Purse. But if you want to save 20%, if you want to save 15, 20, 25%, somewhere in that range, pretty, pretty typical, pretty easy to do over at saveitpurse.com, then that's where you need to go. And uh, you do need cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or some alternatives. There's some of the, uh, uh, you know, the altcoins that will work at Save It Purse as well. 
Uh, it's amazing, and I do it all the time. I'm probably at Save It Purse once a week. Whenever it is I need to get something from Amazon, I just go to saveatpurse.com. I import my Amazon wish list that I've created, and then I select my discount, and usually within about a day, somebody has purchased those items for me. Uh, they buy it as a gift. They ship it to me. I confirm that I've received the items, and then saveitpurse.com releases what uh, what was the Bitcoin that I was holding on to into their possession. And it's an amazing thing where everybody benefits. Everybody gets what they want. Uh, the person gets Bitcoin. I get the items at uh, 20% off, and it's awesome. So try it out for yourself. Save it purse. Saveatpurse.com. As we continue with your calls and thoughts here, we've got Ralph in New Jersey. Uh, go ahead, yeah, Ralph. What were you I trying gonna, to say I, tonight? What sort of racist have, screed said, uh, were you going to go said, on? I should have said, bite the dust, and I cut down that animal in size for disrespecting President Duterte. I remember that man, okay? He, he, he wants to talk about white nationalism. What about black bigotry as espoused by the nation of Islam? I don't think Hung Like Jesus is part of the nation of Islam, (laughs) but I would think that he would support it. He would support people's right to do it. But he needs to denounce black animals. No, no, he didn't Uh, denounce black nationalism. Hold on. He didn't denounce white nationalism. The guy didn't say anything against white nationalism. The only thing he said about talk. it was is that they had they should have the right to be around who they want to be around. He didn't say let's drone bomb them from the sky. He just said let's let them do what they want to do. I'm talking to Mark, right? I will denounce for you right here and right now, Mark, white supremacy, which is a case currently going on in the, the city of New York. This animal, that's right. I call this uh, this white man an animal, a drifter, a lunar from Baltimore, Who? Maryland. A, Baltimore, Maryland, a drifter alone. Who are you talking this about? Somebody in New York City. Let him the, finish. The one, the, the, right. What happened okay, in New York? I, I got to give us some context here. Okay, there's a drifter and a lunar from Baltimore, Maryland who went over to the city to grab media attention because, if, according to his manifesto, he wants to kill every black man for having interracial relationship, okay? Having interracial relationship. And he stumbled up across, in a street corner in New York, a 66-year-old black man. You know, not provoking him, not inciting him. He just see this man for the skin color, not the content of character. See, you need to differentiate me calling me a racist to this animal, okay? You you really do, because all you do in your twisted logic is create a hypothetical situation or a hyperbole about me for what I'm not. I'm well, not no well, racist. Ralph, yes, sometimes, you are. Sometimes you sound really, really racist, Ralph. He is racist. Now, I mean, clearly, he's called enough times to make it pretty clear. He cr- hates black people. Well, in this case, he's saying he doesn't think that black people should be killed completely for the uh, color of their well, skin. Well, thank goodness. Yeah, I mean, at least it's a step. So, you know, you can still be a racist and not believe in exterminating the other races that you don't like, right? So, let me bring uh, Ralph back on here. So, Ralph... Go ahead. Yeah, but but the action taken by this man is 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 completely different from 
in my, in my position with well, regard to the black. Well, I right. to, we never said I that you were the worst racist ever. We just said you were a racist. Right. That, to, to be a racist means oh, that Melanie. you believe that your race oh, is... Oh, Melanie. Oh, Melanie. This is a, really... This, this is a sad state of affair of you to be uh, saying that about me. Uh, I, can, I still have a moral compass, Melanie, to, to judge people according to content of their character. And when I say... Black animal, I mean the criminality that blacks are creating uh, in our society, which is creating disorder, mayhem, and, yeah. and, and The thing kill. is, you say that I'll about all example. black people, though. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example right now. I don't if need another example. Thanks for the call. I've heard enough. Uh, the toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Racism is uh, not the belief that other races should be exterminated, but certainly some racists uh, believe that. Uh, racism is simply the belief that one race is superior to others. Or Isn't it in a given area, though? I mean, usually racists will not say that they're superior in every way. They'll usually claim to be superior in some ways. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, no, like I Chris Cantwell would say— one's- you're talking about Chris Canwell would say that Asians are superior to uh, to white people, for instance, in in like intelligence or test taking yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Sure, um, I've I've heard this before. Um, you know, I mean, okay, but there's going to be things that he's going to claim that white people are going to be superior at and and all that other stuff. I I don't know. I mean, it's a murky murky thing when you start uh, you know going and separating people along uh the lines of of race and then is saying that this group and that group and right you know, it the ignores the individual you know even if you can show some kind of statistics and this was our big breaking point with uh, with chris cantwell was that for somebody who supposedly is a well was a libertarian he wouldn't i don't think describe himself that way today but for somebody who supposedly was a libertarian who you know purportedly libertarians believe in individual rights uh, and you know the the individual is you know the the, the greatest minority, if you will. Uh, that for somebody to ignore individuals and how they perform against other individuals, instead focusing on the groups that those individuals might happen to be part of by virtue of where or you know how they were born, is that's what leads to sort of this racist stuff is to just group people together and treat them all as though they're the same and ignore their individual differences. And I think that's, you know, sad. So, toll-free number tonight, and that's what Ralph does when he makes statements like, the blacks are, and then says something about violence or, you know, killing, etc. Uh, you know, are young black males more likely to commit crimes? There's probably some statistics out there that would show that to, uh, to be the case. But all those are arrest statistics. What we have proven is that young black males are more likely to get arrested that does not in any way prove that they are more likely to commit crimes Good even point. victimless crimes yeah i so um i would say regarding that look um you know when a group feels as though they have been treated badly you're probably going to see some lashing out especially from i don't know the young males in the particular group so i mean what we'll often find is minority ethnicity the young males in a minority ethnicity in any given society are probably a little more prone to criminality the toll-free number here, if you want to join us, is 855-450-FREE. 855-450-3733. We'll be talking about the police coming up here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. A funny thing happens when you don't advertise. 
Nothing. Modern advertisers have been trained to look for trackability in their advertising, and web search ads are great for that. They also help you get the consumer that's looking for products like yours in the moment. But they're expensive, and they do nothing to convince people to try your product segment in the first place. They help you get a bigger piece of the pie. But branding mediums like radio grow the pie itself. Free Talk Live's on more than 150 stations, and we can help advertisers with little budgets and big ones. Send me an email, mark at freetalklive.com. It's mark at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, dial toll-free, bring up anything that you want. Right here, our number, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Skype username, if you want to call us there, is lrn.fm. And, uh, of course, you can join us. You can bring up anything you want. Coming up, we're going to talk about the police, but first... Well, more than 60% of Americans take some kind of nutritional supplement. And if you're within that group, um, I'd like you to consider one that I've been taking now for, jeez, probably close to two months now. Ian, I gave you yours a couple of weeks ago, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's called Whole Food Multi-Complete. And, you know, there's good reasons to take a, um, they they use the term multi to describe it, but it's not like a multivitamin that you're going to buy at the store or something like that. Um, I see vitamins in here. There are vitamins, uh, but there are, you know, lots of things. You've got to go and take a look at the um, ingredients on uh, Whole whole Food Multi-Complete. It's got enzymes and, you know, all the other things that you need, not just vitamins and minerals. But if you visit some kind of naturopath or something like that, likely you'll be told to buy, uh, you know, a whole array of uh, supplements, which are probably pretty good. Not like the cheapies you get in the store, uh, but you're going to be spending like $150 per month. If this is the situation that you've experienced, then you need to know about Whole Food Multicomplete. For 15 years, Whole Food Multicomplete has been quietly providing what the big guys won't, the perfect blend of seven different supplements. Now, that's not seven, like seven vitamins and minerals. Um, that's seven different supplements that contain a whole bunch of different stuff. And they've taken the expense and complexity out of following a complete supplement program. Visit SimplifyMySupplements.com to learn more. And you can use the coupon code. The coupon code is FTL, and you'll receive... off your first order. Now, I spoke to uh, the gentleman who runs uh, Whole Food Multicomplete, simplifymysupplements.com, and he said basically this 30% off is, it's a freebie. Um, You know, he's he's selling at cost. What he wants is people to try it so that then they can decide whether it works for them. And it's worked for me, simplifymysupplements.com, coupon code FTL. By the way, satisfaction guaranteed or you get your money back. Wow. All right. Simplifymysupplements.com. This is my favorite kind of advertising where they give you a guarantee. That's uh, that's great. He'll give it to you too. Um, I've uh, spoken to him on multiple occasions. He's very passionate about his product. He had uh, some kind of major plane accident uh, several years ago, and he used the product. It helped him, and that's why he bought the company, essentially. Oh, wow. Um, so it was uh, very um, it was, it was life-changing for him. Yeah, that's a real testimonial. Right SimplifyMySupplements.com. All right. Let's go to AC in Ohio on via Skype, and you can join us on Skype at LRN.FM. Go ahead, AC. Yeah, I wanted to uh, respond to uh, one of your previous calls from last night 
Dana. And one of the things I, I never I, I don't understand about her is she rarely agrees with a lot of things you guys say. So I, I kind of wonder why she keeps calling in if she doesn't agree with you guys a lot. Well, I, I, I like it when people call who don't agree. It's oh, more me interesting. Me too. Me too. But I just feel it's kind of weird for someone to be a chronic caller besides like James. But I James wouldn't say a- Dana's a chronic. She's called enough over the years to where you know who she is and you can recognize right. her. But it's, you know, she doesn't call more often, I would say, than once every couple months. I mean, she's not chronic at all. Well, well I wanted to respond to one of, to um, something she said. Sure. And um, the thing of it is, is I want to interject something before I get to that. And that is that, um, you know, in this world we live in, there's all sorts of things that we as humans are stupid and ignorant about. You would agree, right? Oh, yeah. We're and, all ignorant about something. Figuring oh, out science all the time. Yeah. And there are certain forms of ignorance and stupidity that seems to be very, very common among certain groups of people. And in this case, one of the forms of stupidity I find that's very common among conservative types tends to be all this anti-immigration nonsense. And because whenever you guys bring up immigration, you get every dumbass Fox News zombified conservative from one <laughs> side of the from one side of the country to the other saying, oh, no, we can't let them in because uh, Muslims and Sharia law or I, yeah, whatever. That's what not, happens. Yep. Pretty I soon see. they're going to take uh, our pork chops away or something. They're going to eat your yeah. dogs. Leprosy. I love the I love those. Those, those, those two promos you guys have about that. Yeah. Those are funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, they are hilarious. We've heard have heard some whoppers throughout the year. Um, so I, the the whole thing about Sharia law, I find very interesting. Um, I mean, do where do uh, you know first where have Muslims sort of migrated to and infiltrated where they forced the population to wear uh, you know like headgear and uh, headscarfs and that sort of thing um, and I can't think of any place there are probably some neighborhoods in say France or Germany or something where it's common for people to wear uh, headgear. But I can't imagine that there any is any place where they're sort of forced to otherwise mobs will come out and do bad things to them. And if that were the case, I would say, huh, isn't it great that we have the right to keep and bear arms here in America so that you could shoot people that attempted to use force against you to make you wear headgear? Because I, I just don't ever, ever, ever see that happening in the United States. Um, I don't, I mean, the, the worst I could see, and I'm not saying I like the idea, is that like public schools wouldn't be able to allowed to serve pork anymore uh, because sort of everybody uh, you know is involved. Would you want to eat pork from a public school in the begin with? Is the problem? I, I, I've eaten far too many meals at public schools, um, so the answer is no. I wouldn't like to want to eat anything there. But I suppose <laughs> if somebody gave it for, to me for free, I'd give it a shot. Um, and uh, you know maybe I'll, I've seen stories where um, the Muslim minarets are doing the the announcements of like the Allah Akbar at ridiculous times of the day and night, um, you know. And I don't think that that should be occurring. That's probably the the best argument I've seen against sort of the culture's uh, melding up to this point. But um, you know, again, I haven't been anywhere where this has happened, and I don't know exactly what times of the day it's occurring. Um, I can see that it could it, it might be legit if you're talking about the same times that church bells occur, but um, that would be the comparison. So, yeah, but so anyway, to uh, get to uh, what I wanted to respond to her about exactly was you guys brought up a study from the Cato Institute about how most immigrants aren't taking welfare. And of course, the Cato Institute isn't the only organization that has come up with studies similar. Reason has also done studies like this as well. And one of the things that bothered the crap out of me was when she called and said, well, you can't trust studies from the Cato Institute because one of their founding members has political views that I disagree with. Like, 
that's not a reason to write off an entire organization because um, one person who founded it. Or that's even true, but she did say more than that. I mean, she did cite her own numbers from the Center for Immigration Studies about sure, immigrants sure. taking welfare, large numbers of immigrants allegedly taking welfare. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing just bothered the crap out of me when she did it with the chaos and Cato Institute, because that's the same thing the conservatives will do when they try to write off Planned Parenthood. They'll say, why would you want to trust Planned Parenthood? Don't you know that their founder was a racist who tried to uh, sterilize black communities, which is true, but that has nothing to do with what the organization does today, which, today, is try to right. provide, which tries to provide proper sex, health, and education to people. It's like, that's not a reason to hate on the organization, because their founder was a horrible person. No, I agree with you, but but I would like to see these, you know, conflicting studies, uh, you know, I guess, looked at closer. Maybe there's a study of the studies or something like that that, uh, that we could look to, because... You know, she was citing Cato as being bad, but then she cites the Center for Immigration Studies as being good. And we all know that when somebody wants statistics to look a certain way, they can, you know, sculpt them to look a certain right. way. But she's, she's doing the, well, another thing that conservatives like to do of her type is they like to pick and choose their studies. They say, um, I got studies here to prove this and all those other ones that say the opposite. Th- that's all. Oh, I, uh, liberals do that, too. Yeah, I mean, everybody <laughs> does that. Like people, people do that. that. Right, everybody does that, which is why I went and I looked, and the thing she was saying, according to the Center for Immigration Studies, they have that stuff on the on their website. Uh, so, you but know, are they telling the truth? I don't or, know. That, so that's a great question. So the Center for Immigration Studies, who are they? It sounds like yeah. a government agency, but I'll bet it's not. No, I don't and think then, so. um, you know, when you start looking, you find out, huh, looks like they're a front group for some, uh, you know, conservative organization. Then essentially that I'm makes doing. trust them more on their, if they're going to talk about immigration. But, but that's the point is, is that I'm doing the same thing that she did regarding Cato, because once I see that they have an agenda, then I'm less likely or, to believe but them. It's not a logical fallacy to say this person has a bias therefore you should question them it is to say i don't like this person therefore you should question toll free number tonight 850 if ac if you got more hang on 855 450 free and maybe we'll figure out what the center for immigration studies is it's free talk live free talk live dial in toll free join us on the radio here our toll free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've got Skype at Skype username LRN.FM. With you in the studio tonight, it's me, Ian. Melanie. And Mark. We're talking about battling uh, think tanks. I guess is the right, right term here. Uh, Cato Institute and the Center for Immigration Studies. AC is on the line from Ohio, and he's on Skype. Our Skype username is lrn.fm. And uh, once again, don't forget to, if you like Free Talk Live, you can go and grab archives and share them and share your favorite episodes on social media. That's a good way to spread what we're doing. Go to freetalklive.com. You can download as much as you like. It's all free there. That's freetalklive.com. So, AC, you had brought up a call from this weekend by Dana in Grand Rapids, who was uh, calling into question the Cato Institute and their numbers about immigrant welfare use, providing different numbers from the Center for Immigration Studies, which, by the way, they call themselves low immigration pro-immigrant. So Center for Immigration Studies, according to their about page on their website, they say that their data may support, uh, may support criticism of U.S. immigration policies, but they do not justify ill feelings towards our immigrant community. In fact, many of us at the center 
are animated by a low-immigration, pro-immigrant vision of America that admits fewer immigrants but affords a warmer welcome for those who are admitted. So they're not necessarily— What is a warm welcome? I don't know. That's just the summary from their. It scares about me. It page. sounds like government. I mean, you know, at this point, uh, we're talking about government funding of immigrants, right? Yeah. Uh, welfare and that sort of thing. And does do they mean warmer? What do they mean? I don't by know, Mark. I'm just you know, I'm just sharing that with you as an example of because immigration is group. a government policy, and do we want the government to welcome people warmly? What is that? A letter from the president? Or are we talking <laughs> yeah. about? I'm just not sure. I don't know. Uh, AC. Although I, you know, I don't agree with them. I think that we need to have more people coming here. Anybody who wants to come here. Who's peaceful should be able to. But uh, AC, did you have more you wanted to say on the topic? Please do. Yeah, just to finish up here. Um, yeah, see, that's one of the things, too, is like when you're talking about these dueling studies, you do have to look, make sure you're looking at where the study comes from, who did the study, and how it was done, obviously. But mm-hmm. another thing is also like for me personally, there's just certain things that if certain groups of people talk about, I'm not going to listen to them. Like if a conservative starts talking about how horrible immigration is, I'm not going to listen to him because I know how xenophobic they can be. In right. the same way, I'm not going to I'm not going to listen to a left wing person talking about how gun control works. Like I know that the, which is something that the left wing people like to bitch about a lot is how gun control doesn't work. It's just it's very common. Well, I mean, I think it is important to listen to what other people are are having to say. To you know, to I'm interested if there's a new fact and yeah. somebody wants to uh, to cite that fact to me or something like that. I'm interested in in checking it out. But when it comes to gun control, uh, best I've been able to tell up to this point, there isn't much relationship between gun control and a reduction in crime. Uh, yeah, and beyond that, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with listening to what people have to say, but ultimately all the statistics in the world don't matter to me because to me it's really a moral issue. A lot of these government questions and government programs are really a moral question, and when it comes to immigration, you know, the question is should people be allowed to cross borders freely in a free country? And the answer is yes. Um, if the problem is welfare, and that's Almost all the time, what people bring up as their big objection, well, then that's immoral because stealing money from people through the tax system and then redistributing it to other people who are politically beneficial to the politicians to distribute it to is an immoral act. That's you know extortion, that's, that's stealing, that's forced wealth redistribution. So the fact that there is one immoral act going on uh, does to, to me does not justify further immoral acts, and those immoral acts would be to prevent peaceful people uh, from coming here. I mean, it's really very simple. All the statistics in the world, whoever, you know, the, the claim was CIS, the Center for Immigration Studies, is saying that uh, a, a large amount of immigrants are on welfare. And so they're saying, well, that is justification to restrict immigration, basically. And so even if, that, even if those statistics are true, and I just found an article over at the Cato Institute that says that their statistics are messed up, that says that CIS's statistics are uh, no good, there's a whole long article here that's you know tearing apart the CIS statistics. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you I haven't been to CIS. I have been to Cato, and when I've spoken to their scholars – they take this stuff very seriously. Um, you're talking about extraordinarily bright people who, um, you know, I mean, they're these are academics. They're not uh, looking at uh, they're not looking to create numbers out of thin air. They're looking for the truth, from the best I can tell. Now, you know, I mean, Cato's a nominally libertarian organization, and um, yeah, but I mean, the libertarians, to my mind, tend to be right on a lot of issues. AC, thanks uh, for sharing your thoughts. Any final thoughts you want to throw out there? Go ahead. 
Oh, yeah, just one quick thing. I mean, you're talking about the whole stealing thing and to quote and to uh, to uh, comment on uh, something. Another anti-immigration guy called in last night was the one guy who said who was saying he wanted the wall. And he said um, and you said how they'd have to steal property. Hey, I'm okay with stealing property as long as I'm safe. That's what he said. Yep, Yep, that's what he said. (laughs) Crazy. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, Toll free number here. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. I mean, I'm tempted to share this Cato story, but I haven't had a chance to really look it over decently yet. And the first you know, portion... I don't think they cuss. No, 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 no. But the first portion is like, they're comparing tables, right? Yeah. So we can't do that on the no, air. No, you can't do it. Uh, that would not be easy to to communicate. So they're, you know, they're digging down into the data of this CIS study that Dana was citing, uh, or one of the studies that was similar to what she was citing over the weekend, claiming that, uh, and again, I went to their, their, their site, I looked at their claims, and they're claiming that like half of immigrants in the United States are taking welfare, which seems unbelievable. And so I'm Illegal gonna, immigrants, right? I'll have to go back, Mark, and, and pull up exactly what uh, what it was that they were saying. You can join us here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And, of course, you can also go over to the Center for Immigration Studies where they've got an article saying Cato Institute has missed the point on immigrant welfare use again. So you've got the uh, sort of they're, they're throwing barbs back and forth at one another and trying to find fault within each other's uh, statistics. So, you know, what's the truth out there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, to probably some extent, just that people are on welfare. Yeah, some That's people, probably sure. probably the truth, is yeah. that people are on welfare. And, uh, and welfare is a problem, you know, regardless of who's on the welfare. You know, the, these conservatives are battling over who should get to receive the welfare, basically. Well, I certainly am against. Uh, I, I'm against uh, the incentives that welfare sets up. I think you could set it up with far better incentives. Um, I, I think that society doesn't have the guts right now to sort of gut welfare entirely. But um, you know, nonetheless, I think that when you give assistance programs to immigrants to this country, and I'm not just talking about refugees, but entirely, when you give any kind of assistance program to them, you take away from them the incentive to integrate as quickly as possible. And to uh, you know, get off uh, get off government assistance. I mean, well, it's only a lack that? of integration if everyone else isn't on welfare. It's not like we have welfare just for immigrants. Welfare exists because domestic people are on it. So if if the it, welfare really has nothing to do with immigration. And honestly, if you're going to steal my money anyway, and you're either going to give it to someone who was born in the states and is healthy. And had all these opportunities and, you know, could have done, you know, anything that anybody who was born in the States can do. And I understand that that's a range. Or you're going to give it to somebody who was born in some third world hellhole who really had, like, no opportunities in life whatsoever until somehow they got here. If those are my options, the the person who could have done better versus the person (laughs) who just life was like, F you, you're born here, you know, good luck, deal with it. Yeah. If those are my options and you're going to steal my money anyway, give it to the guy who wasn't lazy. <laughs> like, 
That's well, kind of less offensive to me as to what you're going to do with my stolen money. You're really boiling it down. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, there's certainly the possibility that the person, uh, the other person is also lazy, right? This because- is why they should have the tax form where you, uh, you know, you, you, you click off the things that you want from the government. And in mm. this case, you could say you want uh, immigration, uh, refugee funding or whatever it is that uh, you're looking for. And I think you should be able to have that. Then again, we have organizations called charities that will allow us to give money to these the right. specific people that we'd like to. And they'll do a lot better job of spending that money, the charities. Yep, yep, they will. That's why you can go to hope.freetalklive.com and help us build an orphanage in Uganda. Uh, Hmm. Right now there are dozens of orphans who have no home and are likely to lose the little room that they're in relatively quickly. They're working hard. They're making bricks by hand. They're digging out the foundation, but they need some concrete. They need some rebar. And they're only going to be able to get that stuff if... People give money. They simply don't have it. Right now, the, the handful of people that take care of these these orphans, they're busy with taking care of orphans. They don't earn a lot of money. They need concrete. They need rebar. Please help by going over to hope.freetalklive.com and help us build this orphanage. All right. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. Toll-free number, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Hour number three on the way. Take control of the airwaves on Free Talk Live. So the protection of life, liberty, and property is is what the Free State Project is all about. But it's an an effort to move 20,000 people who understand it's about demonstrating to the entire country that, yeah, we can have a free market, a truly free market, making it just a freer, great place to live. It's the world's largest voluntarist libertarian community, and it's it's only getting bigger. That's amazing to be able to move to a place where other people like passionately believe in being free and independent. What the Free State Project is managing to do, though, is to put their money where their mouth is. It's physically getting up across the country and saying, let's go someplace and let's demonstrate the power of these ideas. There's a lot of kind of philosophy that surrounds liberty. There's a lot of thinking about it and talking about it. But here in New Hampshire, people are doing it. 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, a documentary by Free State Project Early Movers. Watch it free at 101reasonsfilm.com. 101reasonsfilm.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian, Melanie, and Mark. So uh, to bring you up to speed, if you're just tuning in, we had a call at the end of the last hour about a call that we had this weekend uh, regarding the, I guess, dueling studies that are out there about immigration and welfare acceptance, welfare use. Uh, The caller this weekend was saying that, oh, she doesn't trust Cato, the Cato Institute, She trusts the Center for Immigration Studies, and the Center for Immigration Studies says that there's a large number of immigrants who are using welfare. Uh, From the Center for Immigration Studies, one of their reports from 2015, they released a report showing that 51% of immigrant-headed households used at least one welfare program in 2012, compared to 30% of native households. Now, Mark, you'd ask the question, are they studying illegal immigrants, so-called, or just immigrants? It's just apparently immigrants. So they're looking at immigrant households, not necessarily even Mexican immigrant households, but just immigrant households. Now, they do have some breakdowns 
and the Cato Institute goes down and digs into the details of the Center for Immigration Studies study, or at least one of their studies. And I'm going to skip past some of their uh, table analysis where they look at the different breakdowns of you know which groups are consuming more or less uh, welfare, you know, white immigrants or Hispanic immigrants and things like that. They because uh, we don't have the tables in front of us, and it would be kind of silly to to share that on the air. But uh, they then get into broader issues from Cato.org, and uh, the author here is Alex Alex Norasta who writes that uh, he'll describe in detail some methodological and other issues with a CIS analysis, some of which expand on CIS's controlled results that were not headlined. The CIS report compared all immigrant households and all of their inhabitants, including millions of native-born citizen children and U.S.-born spouses, with all households headed by native-born Americans. Uh, Their author admits that the larger family size of immigrant households accounts for much of their greater welfare use because those born in the United States are eligible for all means-tested welfare benefits, even though Table 6 shows that immigrant households controlled for children consume a lower level of benefits. A household-level analysis does not reveal who receives the benefits, leaving the impression that the immigrants are the intended legal beneficiaries when they are often legally excluded from these programs. So what he's saying here... Okay, then Cato's wrong because... the children are not, first of all, the children are not really the recipients of the welfare as far as I'm concerned. I know that they're, that's whose name's on the form, but I, I disagree with the form. Um, second of all, the children aren't really the ones who are guilty of being on welfare, if that's how you want to well, put no, it. Well, no, what he's so, saying here is that in a immigrant-headed household, you may have a spouse who is not an immigrant. And so it could very well be the native-born spouse who is receiving the welfare on behalf of the native-born children in the household, and that house would count as an immigrant-headed household. And he he gets into that here. Uh, and if you're counting how many immigrants are on welfare, then it should, because if your kids are on welfare, you're really the... I mean, it should count as both, because if you have a citizen and an immigrant and their kids are on welfare, then really they're both on welfare, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying, but what he's arguing here is that they should have compared the individuals, immigrant individuals who are on welfare to native-born individuals who are on welfare to get a more accurate picture of who's receiving welfare. Uh, He says the number of people in an individual doesn't vary, but the number of people in a household can vary tremendously. The greater number of children in the immigrant household rather than any different level of individual welfare use is largely what drove the report's results. Second, Medicaid and Social Security uh, benefit levels and eligibility are determined on an individual basis, not a household one. Many immigrants are legally ineligible for those programs, but but their their children aren't. But their U.S.-born spouses and children do have access. Thus, the Center for Immigration Studies counts the benefits received by the U.S.-born children, even though the immigrants themselves are often ineligible. This gives an inflated picture of immigrant welfare use. No, it doesn't. Because if you come here and have kids and get $800 worth of food stamps and your neighbor was born here and has kids and has $800 worth of food stamps, then you're the same. I don't care whose name is on the food stamp application. Well, um, so I'm just trying to get the methodology here. It's... 
to me, um, to say that immigrants uh, don't use welfare that often or whatever the, the claim is that Cato's making, that immigrants don't use welfare that often. Um, and then you have, say, a immig- uh, house with two immigrants where they manage to get here and then have, you know, the anchor baby, as it's uh, called, right? The mm-hmm. kid that's born in the United States. And then the kid gets the welfare. And then to suggest that that is somehow, you know, um, a native person, you know, native people getting welfare, it just it seems disingenuous to me. I would think there's got to be some way to parse these numbers to um, be as as clear as possible. Does that make sense, Ian? I yeah. mean, would no, you agree that that's a little shifty on the on Yeah, the I mean, numbers? they're cutting it against the kids, and, and that is wrong for so many reasons. The kids are not in charge of the finances. The adults are the ones who, and, and since children are treated like property, that would be like me saying, oh, look, okay, I'm I'm not on welfare. My car is Okay, because all of its oil changes are paid for and gasoline is free, but my car is on welfare, not me. And is, I think you are going to have to hold on to be. I'm going to have to hold on to be consistent here. If you're going to treat kids like property, which is what we do in this country and any country I'm aware of, then you know it's maintenance on your assets, so that counts against you. Also, you're kind of in charge. You know, in reality, you're you're the trustee of the kid. You're in charge of the kid. A two year old is not guilty of anything yeah but if you and okay you've got a boyfriend yeah you guys live together i don't know what the rest of your living situation is and it doesn't matter because we're gonna you know make one up here so you and your boyfriend you're living in a house where you're not the owner right so somebody else is the owner of that house or in charge of uh, of that house in some way they're the renter and you're sub subleasing from them or whatever um and that person is accepting food stamps and that person is an immigrant therefore you count on this uh, CIS study as an immigrant house or a uh, an immigrant headed household receiving uh, welfare. I don't think that even I would though two of the three people I, don't receive welfare. I only welfare. think I would if the owner of the house lived in the house. According immigrant to headed households, heard. right? So like you're you're renting right, so a room. So he would have to live there. So you yeah right. So you'd be renting a room from uh, from this person. You would be counted in this uh, in this study. Okay. Your, your household would be counted even though two-thirds of the household are not receiving okay, welfare. Okay, and that doesn't make sense, but that's I don't what think he's ha- saying. that's how most people... I think that's kind of a outlier for what he was saying. Because they're saying we're going to count it against the six-month-old that the parents are on WIC. Because somehow the six-month-old fault that the parents couldn't find a good enough job... So the six-month-old is on WIC, and I understand that that's what the form says. I don't care what the form says. The reality of the situation is that the grown adults are on WIC, whether they were born here or not. And, you know, I kind of hold it against them more if they were born here. But should you be held against, if your boyfriend goes on welfare, should that be your responsibility? Are you a welfare recipient then because your boyfriend's on welfare? I would say yes. I don't think so. I don't think another person can make a decision for you. I think that that depends on kind of your situation. If you have people that are kind of just casually dating and maybe not even live together, maybe be living together and having everything totally separate, that I would say probably not. I think that kind of depends on how you have your life set up. But yeah, at this point, if he just went out and got food stamps, uh, yeah, I would say I would I'll go ahead and you. say it. If anybody in the house is on welfare, then the household's on welfare. The fact is, is that if you're getting, um, if if somebody is making their rent payment, say, you know, there's somebody in this household, and I don't know, uh, that receives uh, welfare, and their rent payment is, I don't know, four hundred dollars per month, mm-hmm. and their welfare helps them subsidize. Money's fungible, right? So sure. that adds to the pool of money they get in a given month, and so they're able to 
pay their rent payment based on the money they get. But whether they're going out and getting welfare or they're robbing banks is not the issue for the landlord. That's not their fault. I disagree with that because if I'm paying my my landlord cash or check or whatever and I'm on food stamps and he doesn't even know that. Like, the landlord not, isn't but, part of the household well, unless they live in the house. Well, or my roommate. If my roommate goes and gets food stamps, I don't feel like that's my problem or my fault or my responsibility. Uh, I, it, it's not your problem or fault, but then the household is a welfare receiving household. The landlord is getting the uh, the money, and either well, more coming up here. Eight fifty five, four fifty free. Uh, you know, to me, I manage properties. It's none of my damn business where they get their money from, as long as they pay it on time. More coming up. Free Talk Live, dial toll-free, and join us here on the radio. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We do have Skype, and you can Skype in here at username lrn.fm. With you tonight in the studio, it's me, Ian. Melanie. And Mark. Also, Bitcoin.com is of the opinion that the current Bitcoin Core development team is not taking satisfactory steps to ensure the growth and advancement of Bitcoin in accordance with Satoshi Nakamoto's vision. Satoshi was the founder of Bitcoin. As community efforts to resolve these problems have failed, it's necessary to resolve them with a different approach by using subreddit r slash btc instead of r slash bitcoin and running Bitcoin Unlimited, uh, you are casting a vote against the current development team. Learn more at bitcoin.com. That's Bitcoin. Dot com. We can continue with more on immigration, clashing immigration studies uh, here in moments. Also, we can talk about the police. Uh, but first, let's go to Ian. He is in China on Skype. Go ahead, Ian. Well, good morning here and probably evening there. Yes, sir. Uh, these studies, these surveys are lying through omission. What is an immigrant? Okay. You get 50 illegal aliens scramble over the river. Boom, they're immigrants. You get these Chinese off a boat in the middle of the night. They're immigrants. My wife, with a master's degree, a good income, 36 years professional trade, wasn't allowed to be an immigrant until she found a sponsor so she would never go on welfare. What's what's going on here? Well, I don't know. Um, Why don't you feed me a little more here? Well, I see, see what you're saying. Okay. You're saying poorer uh, immigrants who are willing to take risks are more likely to you know, come here, and so they will outnumber the uh, professional ones. And so we'll well, they're gonna, the professional ones are going to be outnumbered anyway just by you know, dent yeah. of a society. I mean, how many societies have as many uh, blue-collar workers as they do professionals? But, the, that, but as a result, well, you're saying that that would skew the technology. numbers to make it look like immigrants as this category – are more likely to accept welfare when many of them are not. But you're categorizing it improperly. You can't just say immigrants and include every illegal alien in the country. My wife is an immigrant. Jose, whatever, or whoever, or Chinese, or whatever, who comes in illegally is not an immigrant. They're an illegal alien. They're an occupying alien, the citizen of another country who decided to take advantage of our kindness, which is our weakness. They're aliens. They're not immigrants. My wife is an immigrant. Well, I disagree. I mean, I I think that anybody who migrates from one point to another is, you know, an immigrant or an immigrant, depending. If you want to break down the etymology of a word, you're probably right, sir. 
But where I disagree is this, the average guy or gal who reads the paper or listens to your show or to other shows says, oh, immigrants. Uh, Gosh almighty, when I was young, and even now, my view of an immigrant means they they have a legal status. They had a legal status? Well, I mean, that might be regional because my like <clears throat> kind of automatic view of an immigrant is the people outside of Home Depot. I think that kind of depends on what you're used to. And I mean, the domestic population it has just as wide a range. I mean, you have people who've never worked a day in their life and make money because they have 15 kids and they just keep having kids until they're old enough to collect Social Security. And then you have neurosurgeons who make hundreds of thousand dollars a year and everything in between and they're all natives yes and, right. they and then all you've kind got m13 gang members who slither over the border commit their crimes collect welfare they, they it's unbelievable what's happening with the illegals if you're going to have this study that says immigrants are 20 percent of the welfare load let's break it up how many illegals are collecting versus legals? Because really, I can't know study those numbers. My tax money is going. It's really difficult to get those numbers because um, you know people who, who wants who's going to tell you they're illegal. Um, I mean, it's like it's like the that information's t- out there. That's the thing. No one's going to say. I don't think it is. Oh, yes, I'm illegal, but the information is there. The federal agencies can easily collect the information. I don't think so. I don't think it's very easy to identify who is and who is not illegal because it requires self, self-reporting. And why would someone want to self-report, especially to a federal government agency? Okay, nobody, uh, nobody self-reports in China, but I'll tell you what, they grab up the illegals quicker than you can imagine. And yeah, we and do have Their illegals problem. just mean going from one state to an, one province to another, right? Uh, North Korea. They, fl- they flood this country. Okay. Are you saying, Mark, that you've heard that it's illegal to go from province to province in, in China? In, in China, if you want to move to another province to live in another city, you need a visa in the form of a new ID card that is printed showing you a legal resident thereof. Hmm. In America, I can say, hey, I want to get a job in San Francisco. Then I'm going to go to Chicago. Not in China. China. I'm going to try to get permission to be accepted as an immigrant to Beijing. Do you support that? I mean, do you support the internal immigration restrictions? I think they're horrid, but I'm not talking about how they snatch them. I'm talking about people from other countries who do. What's the difference? It's just an arbitrary line. Yeah, it's all just arbitrary lines. If you think it's horrible to. Or do you pay taxes? I try to avoid it as often as as possible. I I try to avoid it too. But whether we like it or not, the government wrings our necks till they get what they want. And they take that money. And rather than, as you said, supporting supporting Project Hope or building orphanages for poorer Americans, they're throwing the money at poorer illegals. All I'm saying is I have a problem with the legal status. When they came over, they had their anchor babies. Boom, they got their medical. They're getting a better college tuition than my grandkids are getting. Well, how about yes. how about what, what? Uh, Melanie said here is is that look, um, your your grandkids have had uh, several generations to get on their feet and take care of their own college. Shouldn't uh, you know people who just got here um, get the the leg up rather than the uh, the natives? I mean, if you're going to talk about got, welfare, if they got here legally, if they followed the rules, yes, I spent two years. I spent twenty thousand dollars. I spent a lot of sleepless nights. I flew from city to city so my wife 
could be a sponsored U.S. immigrant. It would have been a lot easier if if we'd sneaked in on the boat. It would have been a lot easier. Uh, look, I, uh, I I support your wife's right to come to the United States without having to spend tens of thousands of dollars in paperwork in order to uh, do it. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And the, the more draconian the immigration laws get here in the United States, the more difficult it's going to be to get out in the future. Thanks, Ian, for the call. I appreciate it. Toll-free number 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. So uh, Cato Institute, looking at the CIS, the Center for Immigration Studies numbers, where the CIS people are claiming that 51% of immigrant-headed households are using at least one welfare program in 2012, compared to 30% of native households. They're saying it's not accurate uh, studies to look at a household when you should be looking at individuals. Although it sounds like you guys are taking the CIS side. Not entirely. I think there's a better way to do it, but if I have to pick between the two, Cato is wrong. More coming up here. Uh, your thoughts welcome. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up what you want on Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. Dial on in toll free. Join us here. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We've got Skype and the Skype username is LRN.FM. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Melanie. And Mark. We're going to get back into your calls and thoughts. A little bit more here from the Cato uh, assessment, their breakdown on this Center for Immigration Studies study, which Cato is saying... They didn't really do a great job with. Uh, They point out here that it's a lot easier and more accurate to compute the immigrant and native welfare costs when they are individuals than it is to work backwards from the survey of income and program participation, budgetary data, and imputations of program costs necessary due to a household analysis. So CIS, the Center for Immigration Studies, was looking at immigrant-headed households compared to native headed households and how many of them are ostensibly on welfare it seems to me that um you know if i were to do this study and i'm trying to come up with this as fair as i can that if it was two immigrants in and and we're just using the term immigrant not illegal or anything like that two immigrants that head the household then it would be an immigrant household Mm -hmm. and that if it was one that it would be a native household does that make sense? If there was one immigrant in the household. Then, well, the question that they've been asking is, who's the head of the household? And they point out here in a few moments 
that it's the person who answers the stu- the survey that decides who the head of the household is as well. So do they choose themselves or do they choose the other person who is the head of the household? So there's a lot of kind of, you know, discrepancies here. I wonder marks. what my wife okay, would Okay, well, that's a serious methodology uh, Hold on. If you and your boyfriend, um, if you answered these questions and I asked you, who's the head of their household between you and your boyfriend, who would be the head? I mean, that's not really as solidified as it could be, but I mean him if I had a pick at this point. Is his name on the lease and not yours? Uh, um, I don't want to answer okay, that fair on enough. the air, but there's an answer to that. Cato published an analysis of poor immigrant welfare use that compares individuals. As a result, we can see the immigration or citizenship status within limits of the actual welfare users in the amount they consume. The immigrants themselves are almost always less likely to use welfare and consume a lower dollar value of benefits than similar natives. As CRS's own study corroborates, Yeah, but if those natives are their children, then as far as I'm concerned, they're using them. Right. Uh, I, if I if I went out and got uh, you know some kind of medical care for Jack, uh-huh. wouldn't you say that my household is using? Um, no, they were they were studying immigrant the individuals, not the I understand. Households. But in in this case, I'm the immigrant. Jack's the the native, right? Okay. And he's getting the medical care. But wouldn't you say that's me getting the medical care because normally yeah. I would be responsible for paying for it? Right. But what they're saying here is the immigrants, when you look at the individuals, are less likely, say almost always, less likely to use welfare. And consume a lower dollar value of benefits than similar natives. Right, because they're counting Similar wrong. natives. Similar natives. I see. The immigrant-headed household unit of analysis used in the CIS report presents other problems. As a unit, it's just not as meaningful as it once was. Professor Leighton Koo, the director of the Center for Health Policy Research at George Washington University, uh, wrote the following, quote, Another problem is the ambiguous nature of what it means to be an immigrant-headed household. In the CPS... Uh, a head of household is often assigned by the parent who's completing the survey. It could be the husband or wife. Consider an example of a five-person household consisting of an immigrant male, native-born wife, two native-born children, and a native-born unrelated person, such as someone renting a room. If the male has been deemed the head of household, then this is an immigrant-headed household, despite the fact that only one of five members is an immigrant, and one, the renter, is not financially dependent on the immigrant. Yeah, I would say that that's uh, sort of an unfair way to to do it. If there was... One uh, immigrant in a household, it happens to be the male, um, and you know the male is you know called the head of household by the person who's filling out the form, whether that's him or his wife or whatever. I just don't. And think if it's- the wife is the one receiving the welfare, then it's a welfare receiving immigrant headed household. But as it points out here, if the wife was deemed to be the head of the household, then it would be a native headed household in that case, even though one of the members is an immigrant. Given that many families today have dual incomes and that the wife's income often exceeds the husband's, it's not clear if being assigned the head of household in the census form has much social meaning. I don't think that um, in that circumstance that the husband, the wife, if in receiving benefits, the wife is the head of household if she is the native in that circumstance. Maybe not in every circumstance, but in that circumstance, she's because she has the the rights to receive them. Then the um, then receiving them, she in that area, she becomes the head of household. Is the way I would see That's it. That's the way you would see it. But maybe she would put down the immigrant as the head of the household. Yeah, but she doesn't case. understand the ramifications when she's filled no out. She's just being asked questions, <laughs> right? Which is why, again, they're pointing out that studying the households is probably not the okay, most so accurate the way, way to the, do it. The, the Institute for whatever they're called. 
that is not a good way to do it either, but I still think that's preferable to the way Kato did it. The way Kato did it is obnoxious. The way they did it is imperfect and maybe kind of sloppy and lazy, but well, it's What's obnoxious what about make... studying the individual What's obnoxious than... about assigning a six-month-old moral culpability to being on WIC and not their 30-year-old No, parents? I don't think they studied the children. Uh, right, you know... but they counted the individuals. A six-month-old is an individual. Right, but the six-month-old is not on the welfare program. That's going to be the parent who's on Legally, the welfare program. Legally, especially if it's an uh, immigrant who's not qualified, the six-month-old is the legal recipient of welfare. In reality, it's the parent, but legally, it's the six-month-old. Let's go to Kyle. He's in Guam. Good morning, Kyle. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good morning, everyone. Hey. What's on your mind? Hey, hey I was uh, just calling because, you know, you guys were talking about immigration again, and uh here on Guam, uh, one of the biggest issues facing us right now is our construction costs are going up like none other because we have a 99.9% denial rate for foreign workers, and that's all because of the federal government. So, I mean, they're basically strangling us, and Guam can't uh, build anything without a super high cost. And, you know, shipping costs to us is already as well. Yeah, that uh, it affects it. One of the things that's been said about uh, our hometown in uh, Sarasota, Florida, is, is one of the reasons we have such well-constructed older homes is because the Amish come down for the winter. Um, and mm. now they're crossing borders, but they're different borders. They're state borders that they're allowed to cross to come on down, but they're essentially migrant workers. Mm-hmm. They're just migrating within the United States, and because Guam's so small, um, tiny, tiny little place, um, the you know the the people that need to migrate in have to migrate across different borders, national borders, and it's much more difficult to mo- migrate across those. Sure, and um, you know this is what these lines in the dirt do to people, and I understand some of the fears that surround them. Believe me, but at the same time, everybody who supports them needs to look at the uh, the, the costs and the ramifications of them. Yeah, uh, and one of the biggest things for me is that we just don't have enough skilled workers. You know, uh, like for Florida, there there could be skilled workers there already. But, I mean, Guam, we only have like 160,000 people here, and we cannot legally get any skilled workers. And, you know, the people that are graduating nowadays, there's no push for trade school or anything. So, I mean, everyone's going into college and getting communications degrees, and there's no way we can support ourselves construction-wise with this. That's tough. And so what you're saying, 99.9% of people who apply are getting rejected? Exactly. We used to have just around 2,000, and now we're down to about 100. Per per what? One total. We used to have around 2,000 skilled workers. Uh, able to work with uh, with uh, uh, construction businesses, uh, you know, and contractors, and now we're already down to 100. Sounds like you and, need to get a job uh, doing construction, buddy. Yeah, I know. Well, and that's the thing is I've worked with one of them when, uh, like, uh, I was helping build just a random thing, and they just needed someone to help make cement. And, I mean, I was tired after, yeah. you know, a few hours. And these guys are just troopers. I mean, they, Incredible. they work so hard, yeah, and they shouldn't be denied. Guam yeah. should secede from the United States. <laughs> That's 
probably easier said than done. Hey, Kyle, thanks for the uh, the call. I appreciate hearing from you tonight. There's a lot of money being given to the citizens of Guam from uh, U.S. tax coffers. I don't suspect that's going to happen. Really? All right. We're coming up here. It's expensive to live an island. Yeah, 855-450. Free. Join us on Free Talk Live. is free talk live dial on in toll free join us here in the remaining moments of the program our toll free number is 855-450-FREE that's 855-450-3733 we've got skype and the skype username is lrn.fm with you in the studio tonight you've got ian melanie and mark also if you want to help free talk live and get your shopping done it's easy you go to shop.freetalklive.com There are links to Amazon there, Amazon U.S., Canada, and U.K. You go to the right Amazon for you. You buy the stuff you were going to buy anyway, likely, and you get the same great Amazon prices and shipping deals that you're used to. It's just that Free Talk Live will be sent a portion of the purchase because we sent them the business, basically. Amazon otherwise will just keep all of the money that you send them. If you go through shop.freetalklive.com, then we get a portion of the sale. So It makes a real difference for us. It really does. And uh, it's the same deal for you. So go take that extra step and just go to shop.freetalklive.com first. And if you don't want to take that step ever again, just go there once and then go to either the U.S., U.K., or Canada. And as soon as you land in Amazon on that landing page, as they call it, bookmark that. And then all you have to do is go back to your, your bookmark from that point forward. And so. then go and do it on your mom's computer. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so shop.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Sarah. She's in New Mexico. Uh, Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, so Santa Fe uh, decided to... Bring their uh, speeding bands back this month and last They're month. They're what band? A speeding band. Oh, speeding bands. Speeding band? Mobile Robocop. The speeding band. Uh-huh. The mobile unit. Yeah. The Robocop. Okay. So uh, they're going to get, they decided to bring it back, but they turned off all the red light cameras last month. So they're kind of like bipolar city like I am. They're bipolar. They can't make up their mind. <laughs> well, that's not uncommon in governments. One piece. One person's making well, one decision, another person's making another, and that's why it looks that way. Well, the thing is, I don't, I don't live in the city, well, hold, so I don't Hold on, really hold on a second. I, look, I'm not going to defend speeding cameras. I'm against all of these things, but you could at the very least make the argument that the red light cameras have been proven to cause accidents and have been proven to increase the danger at intersections because people will be more likely to, say, slam on their brakes when the light goes yellow because they don't want to get into a, get a ticket and instead they end up in an accident. I mean, they've, they've studied this and it's proven that red light cameras increase danger and increase uh, traffic accidents. Yeah. Um, of course, they also increase government revenues, but they they increase the traffic accidents at such a significant, you know, statistical uh, percentage that even the governments themselves could not continue to justify running the red light cameras. Many of these governments have actually stopped the red light camera programs as a result of that. Speeding cameras, you can't really make the same argument that they're going to cause more traffic fatalities, right? Because the speeding cameras are there. If people know they're there, they're going to likely slow down. Uh, that's probably not going to be as dangerous of a situation yeah, probably as, not, yeah. as, the, as the red light uh, scene. So that would be why you could see one area having the speeding vans but not having the red light cameras, and it wouldn't necessarily be an inconsistency. 
Well, the thing is, they, they got the speeding, speeding vans back on, but they're going to bring the red light cameras back also. Are probably, they? like, in a couple of months. Yes, they are. Ugh, sorry um, to hear that. Well, the thing is, what you're talking about is the real end accidents, but you're not talking... But what but what, what increases is the, um, the uh, T-bone, um, the, you know, T-bone, 50, 50 miles per hour, running the red light accident. And by the way, they are all filmed. You know, anybody could view them. In fact, um, I was with the Red Flexor City Council meeting, and I got to see uh, a, a footage of the running a red, red light and, and T-boning. Well, there's no car. doubt that there's some footage of somebody running a red light and, and T-boning, and, and I'm, I'm sure of that. And certainly it's happened somewhere that they can show. But the question is how often that occurs. Um, and, I mean, you know, you're not talking about usually somebody doesn't get up to speed in order to hit another car that's running a red light that quickly from a, a, a stoplight, you know? I mean, are, you know, they, you're right. are the lights... You're right to say, well, I run a red light a hundred times. I never T-boned anybody, but the hundred and one time when you run it uh, at 55 miles an hour, you guys are both in the hospital in an ICU unit. Okay, but one most people aren't going around running red lights all the time. Yeah, but what, what, is, what is a traffic cam going to do about that? Well, they have you on film, and you get a picture of, um, that's why they issue that yeah. ticket, $100. So now they can, give, they can send you a ticket in your uh, hospital room. <laughs> well, the thing is, you're going to be dead in Sarah, three weeks. Sarah, all I can tell you is, is that you, um, you, the, your, you may love them, but they kill people. What the is. Sarah, listen to me. Listen, they kill people. They, they've done the studies up to this point. Red light cameras kill people. They're dangerous. Now, we've agreed with you on speeding uh, cameras that, uh, you know, probably not the same level of uh, damage. But, you know, I'm sorry. Go out and do your own study. I don't care if there's a video of a car T-boning another, another car. That's what they call circumstantial evidence. It's uh, it, it, it's it's just empirical. It, it, it doesn't matter. Thanks for the call, Sarah. Appreciate that. Toll-free number here tonight, 855-450-FREE. And I'm against the speeding cameras. Uh, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with speeding. As long as the circumstances are safe, you know, speeding on a wet roadway might be more dangerous than, you know, if it's dry and clear. And, well, you know, I mean, speeding isn't really a defined action, whereas running a red light is. Speeding means going a speed in excess of the legal the speed. The posted limit, yeah. So that doesn't really mean anything. Does that mean doing 26 in a 25? Yes, it does. Does it that does, mean yeah. doing 90 down a subdivision? Yes, it does. It's not really a well-defined action. I see what you're saying. So speeding in one place could be actually more dangerous than speeding the same amount in another place. Well, that also. Yeah. But it, it it doesn't mean anything to the point... It just doesn't mean anything. Well, it means something to the state. It means revenue. It means a lot of revenue. Right. It's a line item. And I would agree that there's – that I believe that there's a point that's too fast for each given area for Mm -hmm. given um, conditions. I would say that the government is a pretty bad organization to figure out what the the right speed for a given area and given conditions are. Because, for one, conditions change throughout the day. Should you go the same speed at night as you should during the day? Well, it depends where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And – or in a snowstorm or, you know, clear conditions. They always have low uh, speed limits in areas where it just, it's stupid. I mean, everybody in every town is like, good Lord, why in the world is this 30 or 40? Yep. It, this should be like 55. It, it, they just don't, I mean, I just don't get it yeah. in many cases. Well, you, it's 
I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. It's because it makes them a lot of money. Right. And that's the problem is is that the organizations that benefit from these things are the ones that are setting the the, uh, the numbers. Now, in Alabama, um, Daryl has said that the the state legislature has come up with speeds for given areas for densities and, you know, different streets and that sort of thing. So it's at least homogenous all over the state rather than Mm -hmm. one given place where somebody, you know, the city council lady who's on the corner and says, I. I just don't like it when they go too fast through here. Right. And uh, she gets the speed limit dropped drop down to 15 by her house or whatever. I'm, yeah, sure. I'm giving it a, a, a crazy example, but it's not like this stuff doesn't happen. No doubt about it. Now, uh, yeah, it would, it would be interesting to see how the marketplace would set speed limits differently. Uh, now, we, I guess we could go and look at private roads and see you know, if there's any significant difference. Most of the private them. roads I've seen are like, Five miles an hour because they're going in neighborhoods. Right, because they're going through parking lots and stuff. Yeah, but but there are some of them, uh, and we've read about some private roads and that like run right alongside of a competing government road. And I wish I remembered what city that was in. California was it California? Yeah, Um, California has a a network of private highways, and you pay to go on those roads, right? And presumably, there's not as much traffic congesting those roads because you're self-selected as far as who goes in there. Um, and are the speed limits higher? I don't know. I've I would never, presume they were. I would presume they are as well because it's a They're private trying to road. keep customers happy yeah, and exactly. wanting to pay for their roads so they can get to work a little faster. Yeah. So they probably keep the speed limits up. Maybe, I, you know, it would be interesting to see what kind of differences we're talking about is, you know, is it 50% faster that you can go on these roads? Uh, if you've got any experience with them, you're certainly welcome to call in and share that with us. Uh, we're happy to hear about it. I don't think on a freeway it's going to be 50% faster, but 10 miles an hour is going to motivate somebody to pay for... Well, 50%, uh, I mean, if they take it from 50 miles an hour to 75... Is 50? I mean, it's pretty rare that you're going to find a freeway, an interstate that's 50 miles an hour. Well, freeway and interstate are, are different terms, right? Uh, here in New Hampshire, the state roads are usually freeway, 55 miles an hour, but the interstates are 65. Most interstates that I've been through are freeways. Um, so a freeway means that there are no stops, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're free, it's a free go. Yeah. Um, and there are roads that are certainly freeways that aren't interstates, but, um, you know, I mean, that's kind of, those terms are synonymous for a lot of people. I can tell you that driving from Concord, New Hampshire to Keene, New Hampshire on Route 9, there's no stoplights there. Is that a freeway? Um, Because that's only 55 miles an hour. I couldn't tell you. um, There's not only all the way to Manchester either, and it's 50-55 most of the way. It's a freeway. So we're out of time for tonight, but you can join us tomorrow. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com, and maybe we'll cover a demo tomorrow night. See you then. Why did you move to the Shire? I moved here to the Shire because there's other people around who take liberty just as seriously as I do. I moved to the Shire because I saw videos of people challenging authority and thought that I could get support myself. It called to me, like, do this right now. I wanted to be around people like me who got it. And once I got here, I knew there was nowhere else that I wanted to be. I've always wanted to change the world. So I moved to the Shire to join people who were actually working towards doing the same thing. The people here are awesome, loving, and positive. It was for the adventure and for the feeling of something important is happening here. And I just wanted to come to sort of be part of that. Visit ShireSociety.com to read and sign the Shire Society Declaration 
and learn the reasons why. If you love liberty, you should immigrate to the Shire. Plus, add yourself to the Shire map at ShireSociety.com. That's ShireSociety.com.